Good morning, you faithful people of God. And that sun out there is just as wonderful. Makes you feel better. I didn't even realize it was as chilly and nippy as it was, but thank God for the, the sun. And a special welcome to those of you who may be visiting today. For those of you new to us, my name is Deacon Karen Ludwig, and I am related to the pastors here indirectly. I'm the mom of Kelsey and I'm Michigan mom of Dave, so what a blessing that has been for, for these years. And how blessed are we all that we get to worship this week and give thanks to God together. Always a special time. Please keep Pastor Dave and Kelsey in your prayers as they continue to heal. Pastor Dave called me when I was on the road and coming up Shane her and I said I'm on my way I'm almost there and he said no I trust you'll be there just checking in <laughs> so for those of us joining um, for those of you who are joining us online today as is our practice we will be having Holy Communion this morning so I invite you to grab whatever it is that you have bread and wine or grape juice for later in the service and you can share in that meal time which is an important time with us there are a few announcements. Um, whether you are a member here or not, be sure to fill out the yellow slip you got when you came in so that your presence will be made known. And for the next four Wednesday nights, there is going to be a supper along with a devotional and a fun and meaningful project to do. So remember that. There, it's being called Leaning into Lent. You can come by yourself or you can bring your whole family or a neighbor. Supper starts at 6, and if you're eating at home, then the devotional and project starts around 6.30. Um, are there any other announcements that somebody needs to make this morning? Are we all set for other announcements? I'm sure they are uh, available through email, and I know uh, Jennifer does such a good job of people, keeping people updated, so thanks to Jennifer. So for... Before we uh, jump into our opening praise song, I invite you to stand as you are able and let's share the peace of the Lord with one another. And if you're at home, share the peace with your dog, yourself, and wave at your neighbor. God's peace to all of you. Thanks for being here. It, bless, it blesses my worship. Well. Let us pray. O oh God, by the passion of your blessed Son, you made an instrument of shameful death to be the means of life for us. Help us to see your presence and to know your love through the many covenants you have made with us and for us. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit one God, now and forever, and all of God's people say, Amen. Please be seated. Dear children of God, grace and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May the Holy Spirit open your hearts to hearing God's message this morning and carrying it with you. Amen. 
Well, here we are, second week of Lent, 40 days leading up to Holy Week and to Easter that are set apart to deepen our relationship with God and deepen our understanding of who this God truly is, both to the world and most especially to us. And to do that, we're spending these 40 days of Lent talking about the different covenants found in the Bible that God has made with humanity. Pastor Kelsey began the journey last week, if you were here, by laying out the difference between a contract and a covenant. A contract, she stated, is based on the if-then principle. For instance, if you agree to getting a home assessment, if you then follow up on all those faults in that home assessment and fix them, if you remove all the items from the house, then I will pay you this amount. Basically, a contract is based on the lack of trust because nobody believes there's such a thing as a perfect house, especially the buyer. And so they want to hedge all their bets and make sure that contract clearly states that what the seller is going to do and what the buyer will follow up on. Now, I'll tell you about an interesting contract. Years ago, when we bought our very first house, we had a chow. The seller had a chow. And so we put into our contract that if they sold us a house, we'd take their chow. They were so delighted because they were moving to Florida and that was too hot of a place for that dog. And we, we got the most wonderful dog to be a companion to our other dog. So sometimes those contracts can be special. But they're based on a lack of trust. However, a covenant, Pastor Kelsey said, is based on the because, therefore premise. God says, because I created you, because I love you, therefore I will always be with you. I will not separate myself from you. What a wonderful, wonderful covenant that is. And so you began last week with the covenant with Noah being explained. After drowning all of creation and trying to wipe away evil with a great flood, God made a covenant with Noah to never do that again, to never throw us away and start over. Instead, God's covenant with Noah was to work with us, in us and through us, to bring about the creation, God's kingdom, that God had started from the very beginning. Our reading this week is found in Genesis also. Then we move on to another covenant. It's found in the 17th chapter, verses 1 to 7, and 15 to 16, if you want to follow along on the screen. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor 
of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abram, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations, kings of people, shall come from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this week, this covenant thing comes back at us again. God made this covenant with what I call one of our first families, Abraham and Sarah. And God lays out the special relationship he has in mind for this duo. Thinking about Abraham and Sarah, I don't know if I would have chosen those characters. They didn't have exactly a stellar past. I mean, here's Abraham when he's going into the land of Egypt, and um, his wife is very attractive. And he decides to um, pawn her off on this one particular fellow so he could get some extra livestock. I hope none of you do that with your wives. And she forces her slave to have a son with Abraham. Couldn't he have picked someone else with a better background? But God's choice of these two characters brings hope to us because God's plan is for characters. And God's love is deep. And God's love is for flawed people like you and me. And God is calling Abraham and Sarah out of the old ways of understanding how things work. He's calling them out of things that work as a contract into things that work as a covenant. This is big. Contracts were just the meat and potatoes, not only of life in the ancient Near world, but we live by contracts today. They are meat and potatoes to our well-being in many ways. And we get stuck in those understandings. It's easier to live with a contractual view of life, if this, then that. It's just laid out in black and white, and if you don't abide by it, then you're the loser. But God has different plans. I have a friend I was driving with one day, and was going to have some bad weather in the afternoon. So she reaches up on her screen and pulls up a weather map that shows the current weather, so where the, the precipitation is. And I'm looking at this, and I have a relatively new car. My car doesn't do that. She says, oh, and that's not all. My car, when I got it, the salesman took me out and said, look at this thing parks itself. And he took it through this, down this lane of cars, and there was one opening, and he, she said, I was holding my breath. And he has this car back itself into this parking spot. I said, oh, that's cool, isn't it? She says, nope, I won't be using that feature. Well, why not? Because she was so stuck in the old ways of doing things that she couldn't trust, trust that, that she and that car were going to be able to park it like that salesman did. And I think that's exactly what was going on with Abraham and Sarah. 
They felt more comfortable with a contractual understanding of life. That's why they had Hagar give birth to this son, because God had made a promise to Abraham a couple chapters back that God was going to bless Abraham. But they were impatient, and they couldn't wait, and they thought they could do an end run and have this biological heir in place to help God out. They didn't trust that God could park that car, but he can. He can. And so God says, no, I got this covenant with you, with you, plural, because the covenant really was with both Abraham and Sarah, and I think it's notable that Sarah is an important part of this equation. And he says to Abraham, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. And to Sarah, Sarah is lifted up, and God says, I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. I am going to give Abram and Sarai a new name, Abraham and Sarah, and they will be new people. I have expectations for them. Trust me, I can park the car, says God. It's a covenant that really embraces families, embraces what family means. It begins that journey into defining what is a family. It widens it out. I suppose if you picked up a Webster's when you were in the Old Testament at the time, first of all, it would probably be made out of rock, be a little bit heavy. But I'm sure the only definition they had in there for family was something that said a basic unit composed of a mother, father, and children, or maybe a clan of people who are biologically related. But God wasn't content with that limited definition. God broadens that understanding of what a family is, and it's important for us to understand that. So family begins with an F. F is for faith. Faith in that covenant God who will be with us because God loves us. Faith in the keeping of that covenant. Faith in our new roles because we are changed. We may not get a new name at baptism, but we get a name and we're called into a new role when we're baptized or when we're welcomed into the kingdom of faith. And we have new expectations, just like Abraham and Sarah. So F, faith. A, part of being a family is that it is open to all people, not just those people in church on Shaner Road at 9.30 in the morning or at home, comfy. It's all nations. All people are welcomed into this family. Professor Will Gaffney, who is a professor at Hebrew Bible in Fort Worth uh, at Bright Divinity School, and she says, we can begin to talk about blessing all of the peoples on earth when we understand them to be equally blessed. Muslim, Jewish, Christian, and even those who weren't on the radar of those composing this text in Genesis. And as we struggle to bring peace to the Israeli-Hamas-Palestinian equation, remember, they're all blessed. It's God's desire that all nations be blessed. And just as an aside, if we would have read further in Genesis, in verse 20, 
it says, as for Ishmael, you know, Hagar's son, I have heard you, God says to Abraham, behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation. All peoples are part of family. Next is M. If you have a family relationship, you have to maintain that relationship. God does that through the covenants God makes with us. We have to make family a priority. God does. We are priority for him. He just doesn't say, well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll take care of these folks. Thursday, Friday, these folks, and Saturday, Sunday, the rest. We are a priority every minute of every day, all the time, for God in this covenantal relationship. And so we, too, have to maintain our families. Now, all families are not biological. Families could be collegial, those you work with and have a close relationship with and respect. They could be spiritual. We're a family here today. We're drawn together by our beliefs that bind us. And so we need to care for each other and each other's well-being. Families are more than the simple people in that. They're the collection of people who gather together at certain places and certain times. Family, we have to maintain it. I, I, family is inclusive. God has opened the door. God has said, Black, brown, white, and all variations are welcome here. All letters are welcome here. LGBTQIA+, we're all welcome. I didn't set up these distinctions. Did you ever see those distinctions in the Bible? No, God doesn't set up those distinctions. We have set up distinctions. God welcomes all people. It's inclusive. Especially in this month of black history, we remember our differently abled, our differently skin-colored family, people that God has blessed, and we lift them up as we walk in the way that God would have us walk, inclusive. If you want to watch a kind of a little gem of a movie, I don't know if anybody's seen The Holdovers, it's just one of those movies that you'd pass by. It's got Paul Giamatti in it. And it's about a curmudgeonly instructor at a New England prep school. I think it's set in about the 70s. I think it's before cell phones. And he has some issues um, that make him not very likable as a prof, but he's a nice guy. He has some other issues that make him a little bit difficult to be around, some health issues. And it's Christmas time, and some kids get stuck on campus, and one of his fellow professors is supposed to be the one who stays on campus with those kids but works out something so this curmudgeonly professor gets stuck. And so it's him and a, a damaged troublemaker of a student and the school's head cook who had just lost a son in the Vietnam War who are stuck on campus over winter. They become like a family unit. It's a touching, somewhat humorous, but at times you have to think, well, I, I kind of chuckled there, but there's something more to this. So family is inclusive. It can happen for a time, 
It can happen anywhere, and it's a gift when we acknowledge that presence. L, families are divine by loving relationships. God, because I love you, God says. Love is a key part of that covenantal relationship. It's built on respect. Families are built on loving and listening to all people and to follow God's greatest example of love through the gift of his son, Jesus. It may be hard at times to be a part of a family when we want to love and that love is not returned. When we want to love and people do unloving things to us. But remember, we are not defined by their relationship with us. We are defined by our relationship with God. And so we must love first, foremost, and fiercely. And finally, why? What are you going to do, what am I going to do, to live out this broadened definition of family? Do you welcome and pray for and encourage and love and help any of God's children who you meet during your walk with Jesus? It's a big task. But remember, God, when working with Abraham and Sarah, those deeply flawed people, desperately continues to love and work with us. Deeply flawed people. And so we can do it. We can say yes to Jesus. And we can live out that covenantal relationship to walk with God and be blameless. Because God loves us. Therefore, God will never leave us. Pray with me. Dear God, thank, thank you for giving us that covenant, that expanded and broadened view of what family is, for, for being with us every step of the way as we try to lift sometimes our weary feet to move forward. Help us to understand and appreciate the strength of your love for us in all that it has done for us. We ask you to be and abide in our hearts as we continue to listen to your call, as we continue to be your people in loving relationships in this time and in this place. Amen. We continue with our offering. Please stand as you are able. Trusting in God's promise to reconcile all things, let us pray for the church, the well-being of creation, and a world in need. As I finish each prayer with the words, Merciful God, please respond with, Receive our prayer. Let us pray. We turn, God, to you for meaning. Nurture in your children the gifts of the Spirit, and let the mind of Christ guide the church. Give wisdom and discernment to our bishops, pastors, deacons, teachers, and leaders. Merciful God, receive our prayer. 
we turn to you for renewal, save lives and ecosystems threatened by pollution and a changing climate, cleanse the earth's waters and restore the soil. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We turn to you for justice, uphold the worth and dignity of every person, especially any who experience hatred and rejection because of gender, ability, sexual orientation, color, ethnicity, or religion. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We turn to you for healing. Send compassionate helpers to any who suffer because of war and violence. Shelter unhoused people. Befriend those who are lonely. Bring hope to any in despair, especially those we name now either silently or out loud. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We turn to you for purpose. Remind us of your faithfulness to our congregation. Grow our trust in you and keep us near the cross. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Receive these prayers, O God, and all those too deep, deep for words. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as we now pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We now take a moment to reflect on our week and confess those times we failed to live as God would have us live. And so together we use these words on the screen. God of life, we confess that we are wrapped up in sin and cannot free ourselves. We nurture conflict and build walls. We neglect the needs of our people and endure the groaning of creation. Have mercy on us. Where we are self-centered, open our hearts. Where we are reluctant, give us courage. Where we are cynical, Restore our trust. Renew us with your grace and give us the hope of new life in you. Amen. And now hear this, dear children of God. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. As a cold member of the Church of Christ and by God's authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people say, Amen. Please be seated.
At this time, I invite those of you who are going to use the communion kits for communion today to take out those kits and have them ready, as well as people at home to have yours ready. And later we'll acknowledge when to use those kits. But we continue with the words of institution. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples and saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. I invite the communion deacons to come forward at this time. For those of you who are communing at your place, you can open the body and blood at this time. And remember that the body is given for you and the blood is shed for you. The rest of us, the ushers, will come down the aisles and invite you to come forward for communion. After consuming the body and the blood, we invite you to continue to walk around the outside where you'll find a basket for your communion cup. We also have gluten-free wafers available, and the deacons know how to get those for you. If any children would like to come forward who haven't yet learned about communion, we'd absolutely love to give them a blessing. And whether you are a member here or not, whether you are even a Lutheran or not, this is God's love, God's meal for you. So come, for all is ready. God, I hope you feel that body and blood of Jesus working in you, and that you have that feeling as you continue during this week. May that body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and always keep you, you flawed people, in God's grace. And all of God's people say, Amen. Finally, may you receive this blessing. Beloved, we are God's own people, holy, washed, renewed, renamed. God bless you and keep you, shower you with mercy, fill you with courage, and give you peace. And all of God's people say, and all of God's people say, ah, you're out there. I invite you to stand as we join our voices in our sending song. And since our God is greater and stronger, go in peace and serve that God. Thanks be to God.